sometimes dead is better. Kill your kids and we're back. It's Mike, Mike, and Oscar. That should be our new tagline. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what uh, the hell? This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar doing a movie event review. We just got back from the opening show of Pet Cemetery, the remake. Which Mike, is- we're, we're about to have company. We're about to have company <laughs> over and you start with that I shit? I have two life lessons, two pillars of existing that I live by. Don't have children. Don't have cats. <laughs> This was my nightmare, this movie. <laughs> this movie affirmed both of those. <laughs> so, uh, yes, this is Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Jesus. Welcome to a movie review, a movie event review episode. Not quite an Oscar sprint profile, but we are trying to stay on top of some new releases, as we have done all throughout the, our existence here. And like we said, we're doing the new Pet Cemetery, the remake of the 19, what was it, 89? 89. 89 original that we covered in a retrospective episode uh, yes. last week in preparation for this one. I am co-host Mike One. This is co-host also Mike, who's oh. hopefully dreams of children i just crushed also mike here i'm a little rattled i'm not gonna lie because i i mean you've been getting edgier and edgier and more shock jockey with each opening this past no week. just honest uh, at least this one is this is a better scenario because we're discussing a horror movie yeah you know a serious horror movie the last time you did this was on a disney animated top five right, pod right and if this was like, you know, Eat, Pray, Love, and my opening was Don't you Kill Your Kids, that'd be a little different. But you are. Thinking back, though, here's the thing. Thinking back, like your Mary Poppins intro, your Ralph Breaks the Internet intro, they're like the most fucked up intros we've done. Death is inevitable as we swallow the drain and circle around a sad, sad existence. As I said, we're about to have some company. Yes. We, we have some big news. We have our first guest host coming on in a few minutes. This is Ryan L. Terry. He will be joining us he is from rlterryrealview.com we will intro him more properly in a few minutes but first things first we're going to get through all our production profile stuff and get you guys caught up on the production backstory specs all that good stuff yeah so before we introduce ryan and have him on here we're going to talk about uh first of all first and foremost what is a movie review or movie event review podcast episode uh, what that is it's very similar to our oscar sprint profile episode uh in exactly the, in, in the vein like, yeah, in yeah exactly the same except we don't have high aspirations for these except episodes. add a fucked up intro <laughs> uh we have a basically two reviews for the price of one the first half of all these episodes are always going to be spoiler free so if you've not seen the movie yet and uh why would you it's just an opening today nationwide so if you've not seen the movie yet don't worry the first half of all these reviews are going to be of the non-spoiler variety we will have a spoiler warning dance breakdown at the midpoint let you know the spoilers are coming and the second half will be all spoiler involved talking about the plot and the twists and turns so if you're just interested in the box office the projections the performances the specs the production stories this is where you want to be this is where we'll do it all in the first half it'll be all non-spoiler and the way we kick the non-spoiler section off for these movie reviews is mike goes through the cast and crew for us yes co-directed by kevin kolsch and dennis widmeyer from starry eyes which is kind of an effed up for horror movie in its own i didn't know about it until i was doing research and now i desperately want to see it yeah it's weird and it's crazy they also did mama 2 and the scream tv series together their partners as Mm -hmm. directors 
Uh, Halloween H2O writer Matt Greenberg gets the story by credits, and the writer of The Prodigy and the upcoming remakes of Jacob's Ladder and The Grudge, this guy's the remake master now for horror movies, Jeff Bueller gets the screenplay by credits. Okay, so this movie needed a remake, right? <laughs> this one needed one. Uh, Ryan's going to come on and get mad at us in a few minutes, but yes, I think uh, I would agree with you. But I think the uh, 89 original played really well for for us at a certain age. I know you missed it because you didn't see it until now. Right, yeah. I, I mean, think, much like how I saw the Goonies when I was a freshman in college. Like, yeah, it yeah loses, you, you saw the Goonies all wrong. loses its luster. You yes, saw the Goonies all wrong. But it, its rewatchability factor is very low. I think toler- you're tolerant of a lot of things in the 1990s, <laughs> right? When you watch when you watch pe- the original Pet sure. Cemetery, And then the 2000s, you're a little less tolerant of them. And then now, after you watch, you know, Lady Bird and Phantom Thread a thousand times. Yeah, there's no need for bad cinema anymore, like. Just yeah, take your just, time. Yeah. Yeah. But, but my point where I was going with this is that, like, I think this one necessitated a rewatch because there is grounds for a decent movie, a scary movie here. Does Jacob Slatter need a remake? Yeah, I don't. I didn't like the original all that much. I mean, oh, you didn't? All right. It was all right. It was all right. The Grudge, I didn't like that original either. Yeah, I mean, but these are successful yeah. films. They so are. That's true. That's why it's happening. And Jeff Bueller is your guy. Clean up hitter for the Mariners in the 90s. <sighs> That's right. Nice, Jay Bueller. Jay Buhner. Mm. Oh, my God. Close enough. The recall on this guy. (laughs) So, as you'll reiterate in a minute, this, this of course, is based on the novel by Stephen King, the writing of which we talked about uh, in that 89 retrospective of the original film by Mary Lambert uh, with a script by King himself. This Pet Cemetery stars Jason Clark as Lewis Creed. Clark is known from First Man, Chappaquiddick, Mudbound, The Great Gatsby, uh, Zero Dark Thirty, all the way back to Showtime's Brotherhood, Mike. Got to let that Boston accent fly in this one. <laughs> yeah, he's fresh <laughs> off of Chappaquiddick, too. Uh, Amy Simetz from Upstream Color, Alien Covenant, and Tiny Furniture plays wife Rachel. You have John Lithgow playing Judd Crandall. Mm. Uh, recently, Lithgow has been nominated for an Emmy for his role as Winston Churchill in The Crown. There's a nice little tongue-in-cheek joke about yes, that. Yes, there this. is. Yeah. And he's won Emmys for Dexter and Third Rock from the Sun. The, the Dexter win might be the most deserved award in the history of entertainment. That was pretty good. It was a fantastic season. That was a yeah. Dexter had a couple great seasons. It should have ended that after his season. Please, yeah, they were just ended. trying to milk that one. Crazy <laughs> yes, they were. Lithgow has been nominated for two Oscars for Terms of Endearment and The World According to Garp. And some of my favorite Lithgow roles, Mike, include, of course, Harry and the Hendersons. Yes. Shrek, he's the voice of Lord Farquaad. Oh, yeah. He's in Cliffhanger with opposite Sylvester Stallone. Great bad guy. And he's in Footloose. What is your favorite Lithgow performance all time? Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah, that's your all-timer? I think so. I, so the, the, Third Rock from the Sun, maybe, but yeah. If, if it's just movies or TV, I'd, I'd, he's, he's, he's the man. He's so good at dramatic uh, turns, too, and like very serious. Over, anything dealing with death in him, he's so good. If you read any biography of an actor who became a star in the 80s and 90s they're always like yeah i partied with lithgow oh i was in a play with lithgow oh, here or there it's just like john lithgow is everywhere it's like he's getting his reps everywhere so where's in the 80s his, and 90s. who is his oscars push exactly. like it's his time stuff come on maybe he was going for it here well <laughs> try from, again johnny from the americans and jessica jones child actress jete or jetty 
Uh, yeah. Lawrence plays Ellie. She did a nice job. Yeah, here. it was fine. Uh, Very good. Job. Uh, Hugo and Lucas Lavoy are twins that play young Gage. <laughs> the studio finally got their wish, huh? Right. Or if you go listen to our retrospective from the original Pet Cemetery, the studio wanted to have twins playing the Gage role, and the uh, the director there was very insistent on that not happening. Ironic for sure. Mm-hmm. From the Expanse, we have Absa Ahmed. He plays Victor Pascal. That was a scary character once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rest of the Pet Cemetery cast includes Alyssa Brooke Levine, Maria Herrera, Frank Scorpion. I wanted to say Scorpion. That has to be a play on Scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> Linda E. Smith, Sonia Maria Churlia, Naomi Frenette, Susie Stingle, and Kelly Lee. Where were these people? I don't know. They were, uh, <laughs> there was they five were, people on screen the whole movie. They were in masks. They were at the college. <laughs> they were in one sequence. All right. I well. guess. They shot the film from June to August 2018 in Montreal, Quebec, which was different than the last movie, which shot in Maine yeah. based on the stipulation by Stephen King. He's like, you're using my screenplay and you're shooting this uh, in my hometown. <laughs> and they played it off as Maine. The, the the Rachel character was wearing a Maine t-shirt throughout parts of this, and you had the Boston accent from Jason Clark coming through talking about being north of Boston. It was really cool. Yeah, it felt like it, uh, for sure. I thought they did a nice job with the setting in terms of making it feel like a New England town Sure, somehow. yeah, well, definitely part of what we'll get into, but I absolutely agree. So, Couple interesting notes, and I got just a couple quick ones here. If the movie's a success, producer D. Bonaventura said that I'm going to make a prequel, not a sequel to this. Because uh, there was a Pet Cemetery 2, according to my Amazon Prime account. True. There's a, I think the bad guy from Highlander is puking up big white eggs or something. Hollywood keeps making the, the tra- same. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the trailer. <laughs> Don't believe me? It's in the trailer. Anyway, because I, I watched the trailer. Should I watch Pet Cemetery 2 before I do the 89 retrospective or not? Well, you didn't watch it. I did not. Oh, good. Thank God. I saw the I saw I've the read trailer. some reviews for it, and I heard, yeah, that's you, you do not. I saw the trailer. Yeah. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. So I didn't watch that one. So they're not going to make a sequel probably because of that movie. They would make a <laughs> prequel because in the novel, there's a big lead up to this story. Maybe they could talk about how they titled a franchise over something that means absolutely nothing to the plot. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, We have a couple interviews on YouTube and uh, from the press junkets that I watched. And I think the cast was really excited to jump into this one. They they read the books when they were kids. Amy Simetz talked about that quite a bit. Very cool. Uh, And we had Chris Evangelista of Slash Film go to Slash Film. Uh, He's one of our favorite writers from over there. Sure is. And uh, he he interviewed the two directors, Mike, and it was fascinating how the directors talked about sticking to the novel more than the 89 original film. Probably a good call there. I mean, all jokes aside, you probably want to stick closer to the source material when you can. Yeah, but it's kind of risky, you know, thinking about how big of a hit the 89 well, original was. yeah, sure. The 89 original de- does certainly was a financial success, and there are changes to this one. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about their value. They Evangelista also uh, gets him to say that basically they made the effects, the visual effects, as practical as possible, and I, I, th- I think that's that commend well. Yeah. yeah, I think that was a good idea, especially for a relatively low budget that it cost. And finally, they we're not going to have a lot on this in this episode unless Ryan really goes goes ham on it. But they dropped in a ton of Stephen King Easter eggs wherever they could, so we'll have to. Maybe I noticed get back to you. one is like wanted to punch you in the face and it comes in terms of a roadside 
road sign. I'm sorry, uh, but otherwise, I did. I'm not really steeped in the Stephen King lore either. Did, I just go by the see, movies more so than the books. You didn't see a balloon floating above like, <laughs> everything. If the they background. were, it could have been tied to that road sign. <laughs> <laughs> Was the road sign pointing a dairy? Uh, yes, actually, a dairy. Twenty line, twenty miles. You didn't see oh, that? Oh my god! Glaringly, yeah, dairy. Twenty that. mile line. Yeah. Well, Easter egg in the non-spoiler <laughs> section. Perfect. Well, I didn't see it when I watched a gosh darn movie. Really? All right. Well, that's interesting. All right. All right, Mike, you got some specs. Maybe open your eyes next time at the theater. I... Be a coward and be scared. It's just, was, just yeah, a film. Covering they're myself. Just, they're professionals. They get paid to act like this. I'm also afraid of cats. You know, there's, they're not really dead. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, specs for Pet Cemetery, written by Stephen King. He gets the novel by credit, obviously. Matt Greenberg, like Mike told you, gets screen story by credit, while Jeff Bueller gets the lone screenplay credit, as he did for The Prodigy. Mike told you this is the TV show Night Flyers. And the single greatest movie title of all time, The Midnight Meat Train. <laughs> Directed by Kevin Kolsch and Devin Widmeyer, uh, as they did for episodes of the MTV series Scream, Mike told you this already and the feature film starry eyes which i really do want to see and is that on netflix do you know or did you watch that in a theater do you have I, any idea i watched that years ago on vod i, I don't can't believe that's that once it's not 2015 seems movie? like something right yeah 2015 movie? sounds right seems like something right up my alley i have to check it out somehow debut this movie had on march 16th 2019 at south by southwest where it led to some mixed reviews mostly positive word of mouth though uh went wide in the u.s like we said april 5th here which hopefully is when you are listening to this episode at 101 minute runtime i will say it does go fairly quick mm-hmm. on an r rating just like its previous incarnation had lorenzo de bonaventura steven schneider and mark varadian are all are listed as producers on this christopher Young did the music as he has for past horror films such as the Sarah Michelle Geller Grudge, Drag Me to Hell, and Sinister. Lori Rose does the cinematography as she has most recently, Mike, for Stan and Ollie. Hmm. Get this mix. She did Stan and Ollie cinematography. The one before Stan and Ollie? Overlord cinematography. Huh. Yeah. Nice little mix there speaking to us. Lot of eternity. And Sarah Brochar does the editing as she did for The Post and Ready Player One last year. So some high-level people attached to this oh, film absolutely. all around. DeBonaventure is the lone listed production company and Paramount is the distributor. The film was made for a reported $21 million and MovieWeb.com has its tracking to make between 20 and $25 million this opening weekend, which would be considered a financial success, though it will still be interesting to see if its debut will fare better than Us's third week in theaters as Us's projections right now are also to be 20 million plus for this weekend. Mm-hmm. If Pet Cemetery can't top Us at the box office, that's probably not going to be great news for Paramount to hear, I would think. Better news for Universal, which is Us's distributor. Right. On the other hand, the budget's low and sure. they could still make some money on it at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, without question. It should turn a profit. It did have great word of mouth, like I said, after South by Southwest debut, but more recent reviews seem to be trending in the opposite direction somewhat, at least, as a six 6.8 IMDb score. Its predecessor had a 6.6. This one is a 6.8 on 1,700 plus reviews. Currently carries a 75% Rotten Tomato score, putting it right on the fringe of what would be considered certified fresh, but it also had, that score was in the 80s not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, 76 critical reviews making up that 56 of those reviews are positive. The average critical score is a 6.58 out of 10, which is the critical scores there are still universally higher than what the 1989 version had as a 50% score on Rotten Tomatoes. There's no audience score yet, but it does carry a positive 69, nice meta score on 15 critic reviews, but that too is lower than it was just a few weeks ago, though again, higher than the 89 Pet Cemetery's meta score of a 38. At this point now, it's a good time to pause the review and let's introduce our special guest host tonight, Mike, for the first time ever, a new third host for MMO. 
So when I told my friend that we were going to have uh, a guest host, they said, please let them be named Oscar. <laughs> I thought that was funny. No, his name's not Oscar. His name is Ryan L. Terry. He's from R.L. Terry Real View. Oscar for short. Uh, he's now Oscar, though. <laughs> but we, we have Ryan coming to the show. He collaborated with us on all the horror, hashtag all the horror, hashtag women in horror month this past February. We've cited his movie reviews on many occasions, going back to October for mm-hmm. that all the horror month the first time we did it he was uh he did 31 days of horror yeah. in his movie reviews that's where he reviewed the original pet cemetery from 1989 and you can all go and look at that it's on our twitter feed i, I put the link there ryan teaches screenwriting in the great and weird state of florida <laughs> i think that's on their license plates too <laughs> he punched up some of this intro which is funny because <laughs> he put weird he put he added the word weird here so the weird state of florida at the university of tampa and he works in show business and creative services for disney on ice Though if you ask him, he'll be the first to tell you that his favorite job is working as a professor. He also figure skates, and he says, boys, he is single, by the way. That's right. We're playing Cupid here today, and Mike Mike Oscar as well. So you can follow him at RLTerry1 on Twitter, uh, where he will happily add you to his film Twitter discussions and connect you with other engaging content creators. Uh, And film Twitter has been a really kind place to us as well. Certainly. It's where we met Ryan. It's where we've been cross-promoting and and just hanging out and and making movie friends out of each other. Yeah, it's been a really valuable resource, so uh, let's bring him in. All right, Ryan L. Terry on the line. Ryan, what's up, bud? Hey, you guys. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to uh, get to sit down and talk to you about Pet Cemetery, which we both just finished watching. And and I know Mm. that the three of us uh, like to simmer a little bit uh, and steep like a nice pot of tea or coffee, but you know we're <laughs> we're you know, heading uh, heading into this right away. Uh, so I think you know the adrenaline is still pumping, and uh, so yeah, I'm excited to sit down, and it uh, means a lot. I love listening to you guys, and I'm uh, really appreciative of the opportunity to get to talk to you uh, not only about horror but Pet Cemetery, which is you know the the title is a staple you know, in, you know, the horror library, the literal library and the library of cinema. Oh, for sure. And that's very sweet of you to say those nice things. And hopefully that doesn't change by the end of this year, feelings towards us. But uh, uh, we, we appreciate having you on and you making the time for us. But let's go. Let's start with the review here. Mike's going to give us what the uh, the plot premise here was or as it reads on IMDb. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Ryan. And your middle initial is L. It's not O for Oscar. I just need to confirm that. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm afraid not. But we will find you... We will find you an Oscar, like an action, <laughs> uh, like 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 the golden one, the the kind that uh, oh, that, yeah, that, even that would be absolutely perfect. Yeah. I just thought we we're gonna have a letter writing <laughs> campaign to Sesame Street and just throw them down. <laughs> All right, guys, so plot premise reads, Dr. Lewis Creed and his wife, Rachel, relocate from Boston to rural Maine with their two young children. The couple soon discover a mysterious burial ground hidden deep in the woods near their new home. Seems like an act one uh, teaser right there, right? Yeah, it does. I mean, it. I, I think, you know, the because the story is very well known, even though there's a lot of people who are going into this for the first time, you know, we almost don't even need an IMDb plot summary. And I think that's why when you look it up, it's very anemic. And when you look at other reviews that have been out, 
not a lot of people are spending time on on a summary because you know the the story is just uh, such a part of our zeitgeist you know whether you read the book or you're a fan of the 89 movies such as myself not not like you guys uh according to last week and so um uh so yeah so i think i mean it i mean that's it i mean some of the the best stories in the world if not all the best stories in the world you know, have very simple plots. I tell you know that's what I tell my students all the time. Don't overly complicate your plot. You know, it it just doesn't work. Keep your plot simple, but then make other elements complex. But keep that plot simple. So I, I think the the IMDb summary, you know, does it you know does it just fine. Very good advice too. And it's you know you're gonna put us to shame with all your knowledge being a working professor in this category, <laughs> and we're just two morons yelling in a basement. But uh, <laughs> let's talk about since we don't really have a chance to concentrate on this often. Mike and I saw this. You know, we're up in Connecticut. You're down in Florida. We saw this at my little podunk theater which we've commented on in previous episodes what was your theater experience like did you have a packed house was it a lot of people few people what was what was kind of what were you working with okay well uh it wasn't completely packed and i think that has to do with paramount releasing it the same weekend as shazam so uh definitely more people are going to see shazam Uh, however it was still uh i'd say 75 70 75 percent full so uh there's still a lot of great energy in the room and i heard all kinds of people talking about the book and the previous movie oh, cool. and and the trailers and and so then there are these guys sitting uh down for me who have terrible taste in cinema i wanted to chime i wanted to chime into their conversation but then they would probably hate me so i just <laughs> i just tolerated uh, just uh, all the bogus things that they were saying to one another. Can you remember a movie that they were trying to big up there and uh, and really liking that was terrible? Oh, they were talking about Captain Marvel and how they didn't like it. And of course, it's a couple of dude bros. Yeah, naturally. And, and I wanted to chime in and be like, you know what? I'm not even a huge MCU fan. I like the movies well enough. And I really liked Captain Marvel. So if I like Captain Marvel... Then I mean, and I have good taste in cinema, except for when I occasionally disagree with you guys. <laughs> and so I, I wanted to talk to them because they were just going on and on and on about you know whatever all these misogynistic comments. Yeah. Well, and so, um, so I just had to kind of tune them out. And just eat my chicken tenders and french fries. Oh, good and- yeah. Damn, uh, we didn't have those options. We just had stale popcorn. No, we're, kid- we're kindred spirits, though, because that's a great purchase, no yeah, matter how terrible the chicken tenders are. Yep. So, guys, let's talk about expectations for a minute. The 89 retrospective in our recent past. Uh, basically, I had uh, loved the movie as a child, was scared shitless as a younger person, saw the, you know, the new... Uh, I'm just going to sit here silently and judge you from afar. <laughs> saw the 89 movie again in the light of day uh, where my nerve endings are dead. And basically, I went into this one with very low expectations. Did you? We're, yeah, absolutely. We're, See, I, I thought about it a little bit differently. I, just, I thought there was, like, fertile ground here, pun, I guess, but enough here, <laughs> enough of a story here to make it a decent horror movie. I thought the ground was sour. <laughs> How about you, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, Ryan, what you, what'd you think going in? What were you expecting? Uh, I was cautiously optimistic. I mean, as I mentioned in my review uh, of Us, the very first thing I thought as soon as Us closed was so in Pet Cemetery coming out. So I'm I sitting was, here judging uh, you from afar, too. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know. Uh, so I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I was, I'm well aware, as many others are, of the, the, the major change from... Uh, the book in the original movie to the new one. But even even knowing that, I was still really excited to go into the movie because the cast seemed solid. The I like the director's uh, previous work. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, just saying uh, John Lithgow. And I'm like, okay, is this going to be one of those moments where it's like John Lithgow just pulls out a really badass performance? Yeah, that was kind of my and, too there. I was I was wondering, yeah. that anytime he's in anything, you just never know if it's going to be one of those random award one uh, contending things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I so I was I was really excited. It, this is a movie, uh, of course, the '89, which terrified uh, me and my sister as a mm. kid, and it was years before I I would even rewatch it. I was an adult by the time I went to rewatch it, and and I still really liked it. Um, but so I, I had high hopes, and I you know uh, I felt that the level of expectation that I would end with. I feel was met. I, I can't say that my level of expectation was exceeded, but the but it was met, and so I had a really good time. Uh, but it was, uh, but it's definitely one. As soon as it was announced, that I was uh, really looking forward to. So I was happy to have you know been able to see it tonight. All right, so let's get into the nitty gritty here. I mean, uh, we usually start with production values, sight to sound, cinematography, visual effects, produ- production, costume design. Anything jump out there to you, Ryan? I really enjoy the practical effects, or at least what I interpret as practical effects. So it was either practical or just really, really good CGI that did not have the sheen and could pass itself off as practical effects. And so I, I, I and I don't want to get down into spoilers because, uh, but mm-hmm. just uh, all through the movie, I was uh, that was the was the one apprehension I had going in. I'm like, okay, this isn't 1989. This is 2019. So there could be a lot of CGI in it, whereas in the old one, there's no CGI. Mm. But I wasn't I wasn't disappointed, except for the kind of the the at the well truck accident. Everybody knows there's a truck accident. <laughs> right. So at the at, at at the truck accident, there was a moment that I think, eh, you know what? You could have cut that out, and I would have been more okay with the sequence uh, than um, than seeing as much as I did. But there were moments that I think could have been done with CGI that I, you know, almost certain, uh, you know, were done with practical effects, mm. and so I, I, I really liked that. I definitely shared that concern with you too going into it. Yes, it was something I was worried about it being too new age, and but hearing that it was a twenty million dollar budget going into it, it kind of allayed those fears at least somewhat for me. I knew they weren't going to be like you know have money to burn and just make stuff right. look ridiculous. For I the think sake they of it. spent most of that money on fog machines and Lithgow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. cinematography was polished, right? VFX mostly practical. Uh, Production and costume design, the original, those really stood out to me. Like, that was a unique look. Everything with Zelda, everything uh, with uh, the Pet Cemetery itself. But here, like, the stars of the production and costume design are like the masks, right? That we saw in the trailers. I, I thought those really stood out. Oh, the ma- I love the masks. And I like how we're introduced to the masks in the very beginning. But then it comes full, it comes full circle of, you know... Uh, throughout the movie and so uh the the masks i think we're gonna see those at halloween this year <laughs> and uh and they and, and they really were terrifying i saw them in the trailers so i thought you know it wasn't going to affect me as much as it did watching the movie but it still worked really well i mean these kids uh, at the beginning taking you know their dog out out to the cemetery yeah no spoiler folks i mean it's in the trailer yep. it's in the first 15 minutes of the movie so you know they're taking the dog out to the cemetery 
And it, it, it felt like I was like really there watching them. And I'm like, this is really creepy. And I think that's my favorite thing about this movie is this overwhelming sense of dread the entire totally time. Totally agree. And my, my uh, heart was pounding. My blood was racing. And so I'm like, all my emotions and physiological responses are just heightened through, uh, through the whole thing. Because we get that... You know, the, the truck zooming down the road four minutes in. We know it's coming. Mm -hmm. Whether we read the book, saw the old movie, saw the trailer, we know it's coming. But these directors were just so great at what they did because that truck still caught me off guard. It still made me jump, even though I could have uh, told you probably exactly you know, where it was going to happen. And the kids are creepy and the house is creepy. And uh, it's just very, uh, it's just... Something is not right in this town. And speaking of the town, I love that we get that sign, Dairy, what, 17 <laughs> miles? I love that later on in the movie. And so they were, we have a couple of little Easter eggs like that. And yeah. I, I, I love that. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so now we're like, we're... You know, just down the road from Pennywise. Right. Yeah. It was. It was something I thought was glaring. We actually just talked about that before calling you up. Mike missed it. I missed it. <laughs> oh no it. way. Uh, we actually, you and I again, we we saw it in very similar ways. I was very creeped out, and I thought they had a very polished aesthetic, a very you know everything that was had to do with certain characters, whether they were dead or undead. They all uh, followed one kind of color scheme. It was very true to to. There was homages in there with certain other colors right. and the way it was presented, especially with the Zelda. The character so i appreciated that and i thought it was very creepy throughout based on sight the problem i had is moving on to sound now did you notice any kind of like we, noticeable score for this we are score deaf ryan and we need you to you know uh be the final vote cast in this area because mike doesn't think there was a score i remembered something in the beginning was there a score to this movie you know uh to be honest <laughs> if there was one i don't remember it which could mean that there isn't one i mean perhaps the directors are going you know the hitchcock route and birds in which it's uh it sticks out because it, there's an anti-score because you know, it's a right. uh, uh, lack thereof and so i don't recall there being uh certainly no moments that stood out to me in terms of a score i mean maybe there was but um i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with no I I don't think there was one. <laughs> We're going to feel like a couple of dopes tomorrow if there, it comes on Spotify and it's a brand new album. I'll tell you, man, I just didn't I did not hear anything right. like they they relied on the hissing from church a lot. They relied on that like yes. metal grating sound a lot, but as far as like mm -hmm. the moments that it could have been intensifying sound, like yeah, they had those one notes that every horror movie does, but the I kids didn't, are yeah. playing drums. Yeah, there was no like redone score or redone theme mm -hmm. song, quote unquote, that you usually get in horror movies like this. I was a little yeah. surprised. And I I like the fact that we don't have a score when the kids are banging on the drums because I think if Agreed. we had a score, it would have taken away from that moment there there are moments in the movie if we go with the hypothesis that there is no score i think there 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 are moments that uh could have uh, been helped that's not one of them like that was that should have been quiet but then there are other moments that uh, i think we uh could have used uh could have used a score um i'm glad we we don't get that song that's playing in the end credits which is just abominable <laughs> yes. so yes. we all share that as well <laughs> i had to listen to the ramones on the way home all the way home to my place here so just to, of note we could probably cancel ever yeah. talking to christopher yeah. young who was responsible for the music in this movie but oh. our apologies <laughs> we know when there is no sc score from christopher young though the three of us figured that much out at least today okay 
So, but you mentioned, uh, uh, just real quick, you yep. mentioned the, the costuming, and I love John Lithgow's attire through the whole mm -hmm. movie. It just, it's very, when I picture an old crotchety Carl Fredrickson kind of old man uh, <laughs> uh, across the street, uh, that is, you know, that, that's the kind of guy I picture, just, uh, just frumpy and kind of dirty and just uh, no sense of style, and yet he has a sense of style. And so- Very unique I, to him, I, yeah. It was, yes, and it was, it, it worked for him, and, and was very reminiscent, uh, I feel, of uh, Fred Gwynn's uh, character. Certainly. Uh, his, uh, his costuming stood out to me the most. Everybody else is, I mean, they're, it's closet wardrobe. But I, I, like, uh, I like the choice for him, that I feel that everything he wore was an extension of his character. Speaking of extensions of his character, he's still drinking Bud Heavy, too. I was very happy to see <laughs> yes. that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's move in. That's a good tra uh, transition into performances. Let's start with Lithgow. You mentioned before the we started recording that you thought he uh, played that character uh, different than Fred Gwynn, but at the same time paying homage to him, Ryan. Yes, I, I do. There are moments... And it's not just the sometimes dead is better line. We, I mean, we knew that was coming. So, But there are moments and just things that he says and how he delivers the lines that are very reminiscent of Fred Gwynn's interpretation of the character. Mm. I think the, the differences are Fred Gwynn's character came off a bit more playful. And mm. uh, even though we do get a couple of moments when we're at dinner or at the birthday party and in which uh, John is a bit more playful, uh, he's... Uh, uh, he's uh, much more serious tone and very reserved. Mm -hmm. Not quite stoic, just a, a lot more reserved. Uh, but the like, the like their goals and their intentions and many of their mannerisms and uh, how they approach the relationships and conversations uh, very similar to me. Express they're expressed differently, but they still felt uh, you know felt like. It, it is that character. That character is is true to the uh, the original intent, and I, I appreciate the differences because I wouldn't want it to be you know copying Fred Gwynn's uh, character because we've all seen when we get reboots or remakes and we're channeling you know the actor instead of channeling the character mm. and it doesn't come off so well. I like that he channeled the character. Uh, but I still, there were still some of those moments that it's like, okay, yeah, I can see where he is uh, paying homage to uh, to Fred Gwynn. Not in the accent, though. That's my biggest. <laughs> that, that's my that biggest big critique. Too. It's like the guy is from Maine. I was hoping he was going to be a transplant, <laughs> that, and that's how that would explain the accent. But it's like this dude is from Maine. After twelve years of murder, she wrote, and after all these Stephen King novels, uh, like the locations uh, in, in Maine, I know what Maine people are supposed to sound like, <laughs> and. He did not sound like it. Yeah, every word's supposed to end with GHT or a hard D, and we didn't get that. But I think they're in Montreal, Quebec, and instead of uh, being in the actual uh, on location there with Stephen King, yeah. so I guess that's why it happened. How about Jason Clark, Mike? I really you you mentioned walking out of the theater like he was acting his ass. Yeah, off. I gotta say about performances, I thought you know Lithgow is Lithgow, and you're gonna get a quality performance whenever he's on screen, mm. stage, or whatever. But as far as everyone else in the main cast was concerned, I thought Jason Clark really was 
going for in a couple scenes, sometimes to his detriment. He got a little too, you know, a little overboard, but I thought for the most part, he really was acting his ass off, especially compared to who I, you know, I thought the, the Rachel character, certainly the kids, God bless them, I just thought they the script might have been asking a little too much from them at times, at times. and it seemed like Clark was kind of in his own unique world a few awkward moments yeah. yeah i would probably agree with the rest of the cast amy simetz does a nice job though i thought and uh of course yeah jason clark and especially when he loses it in this movie yeah. when shit goes down yes oh. he's wearing it all over his face too it was, it was a really great job by him the facial expressions they were kind of reserved at least i thought for the most part but especially that one scene hmm. where clark and lithgow are having that face-to-face by the fire I mean, that was like maybe the most captivating one scene I've seen from Lithgow alone, in maybe this year so far. In I was absorbed. Yeah, yeah, I was absorbed with it. It worked. I thought. Oh, they sold. They sold that scene. Like that yeah. was. If I had to pick my favorite scene out of the entire movie, even though there are others that are perhaps more fun, mm-hmm. sure. That's my. That's my favorite scene because they. They. It was. They had such a command, and it's a. There's nothing for us to look at. Except for them. So it is just, the scene is solely dependent upon their body language and how they deliver their lines. And uh, they're acting and reacting. And and they sold it so incredibly well. They delivered in spades. And so I uh, really like that scene. And I, I thought that we have a, you know, a twist there that I, uh, it's been a long time since I read the novel. The twist there is certainly not in the old movie. Mm-hmm. So I like the, I like the twist that uh, we got in there. Uh, and, and yes, his uh, facial expressions you know, through the whole movie were quite good. And, and I, and I think, you know, that's where, uh, you know, Amy shines as well when she has the, the reoccurring, uh, flashbacks to Zelda. And so I love the tight shots on her face mm-hmm. and I can just feel the pain and anguish that she is that she's feeling uh, the whole time. This is a massive burden on her. And I, I'm glad we don't get like a whole backstory. We got just enough, but we got just enough to know that this is weighing on her every moment of her life. And oh, I yeah. thought it did, the, the whole Zelda storyline did a better job, a much better job being integrated into the main storyline in this version as opposed to the, the 89 original, where to me, it seemed like just an add-on or a superfluous at the end. I mean, it had its purpose, but it didn't really add to the plot and where the story was going. They did later. something very different with this one. Yeah, we're going to have to get into that in spoilers. Uh, any more not, uh, script thoughts from you guys before we get into Oscar lens here? Oh yeah, I, the the script is solid. Uh, what I what I love about uh, this script is that it laid out all the logic mm. uh, uh, up front, and it followed through with it. It never uh, contradicts itself, and uh, the the big reveals as we go through the movie, you know, don't feel out of left field. Right. It's like they were set they were set up. So everything that happened in the movie was set up. It's a very tight script, and and I think uh, it. It gave us something new mm-hmm. while still being grounded in what makes it Pet Cemetery. And so whether you uh, you know like or don't like the original one, there's a lot of new stuff in here. So I think it works for those who uh, enjoy uh, enjoy both the book and the old movie. It's going to work for those who uh, have no clue what it is. I mean, obviously, if you're... If you've been alive for any length of time, you've heard the name Pet Cemetery. So, I mean, if that's all you're going in there with, I think you're uh, really going to enjoy it. I think horror fans are going to like it. Mm. And the people that are going to get all pissy because of the differences between the old movie and the book, 
I mean, are, are just they're 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 just having you know hot takes just just to stick out because no, they can't they that. can't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a it's a solid script. I mean, it's not. I mean, there, there's no Oscar lens here, but it's a solid. Oh, how script. dare and, you, sir! It, 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 <laughs> no, I, I, I echo a yeah. lot. You, you kind of hit the nail on the head, as far as I'm concerned, too. I think the script is very economical. I thought it was portrayed in a very, you know, that hundred minutes that this screen is mm -hmm. that it goes by in a flash at least for me but i think uh the differences are kind of what we all want to highlight and at least talk about and that's obviously the biggest twist in this movie right. so this is probably a good place to stop the non-spoiler section ryan it sounds like it's a watch for you right oh definitely go out go out and watch it and uh take your friends with you and um and spend some time with your pet before you <laughs> <laughs> also also mike watch for you it is a watch for me and i, I didn't know if i had bottom of the barrel sour ground expectations and you need I, new material yes I, do. <laughs> I need a writer but anyway yeah i'd say watch it, it uh, same good. here yeah i think it's a fun you know obviously no no oscar lens don't go in with those kinds of expectations right. but this is a fun certainly a fun remake uh this is the point let's dance spoilers ahead this is a spoiler warning spoilers spoilers This is the spoiler section for Pet Cemetery: the remake 2019 brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. The movie event review with our good friend Ryan L. Terry on the line. If you have not seen Pet Cemetery yet, uh, this is a good place for you to stop, go watch the movie, come back, hit play. We'll be here waiting for you. If you've seen the movie already, if you're curious about mine, Mike's, or Ryan's thoughts, or if we just did such a great job of hyping up the, the spoilers and the plot lines in the non-spoiler section, this is where you want to be from here on out. It is all spoilers all the times. We'll go into the twists and turns and plot lines of Pet Cemetery 2019, the remake, the movie event review episode brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar with our friend Ryan L. Terry on the line. So here's an easy place to start, right? We tease it enough in the non-spoiler section mm -hmm. as we usually start with immediate carryovers. There's a big twist in this movie that differentiates it from the original. It stays true to the format of there's a pet cemetery, a kid dies, a father loses his mind. We're used to that ABC, but in this case, instead of the little boy dying and relying on the actor of a three, the acting ability of a three-year-old to play an antagonist, right. we have the little girl is the one who kind of uh, perishes due to a truck accident uh, in the middle of the road there, the highway with nobody around. And they didn't ruin a Ramon song to do it. I was very <laughs> happy about that sheena is a punk rocker is still great and i listened to it on the way here but yeah ryan what did you think of that uh i my favorite part about it was the fake out right before Absolutely it happened right. and uh because you know it's you know gauge you know wham yep. you know you know truck <laughs> and and we still have a moment so similar to that but you know and in, in the back of our mind as we watch you know we know what's about to happen because i mean it was in, it was in the trailer but i think it i'm still disappointed it was in the trailer but because they threw in that fake out mm -hmm. it still made the scene work for me i could have done without the like the almost pov of the tanker part when it came off the truck coming towards sure. the girl i would have been okay if we had cut that part out because that, that that cgi did look a little cheesy sure. uh but 
it, uh, it, it, it was fun. It, it was still a fun scene. It was still um, at the birthday. And really, I think, you know, how it happened is uh, uh, there's a bit more to it. And so we, uh, we, uh, we add in the extra, you know, uh, the additional element of church and going out to see church. And so I, I think church was much more instrumental in this version than he was in the previous oh, yeah. one. In many ways, he's just a, you know, a, a throwaway character. Whereas in this one, I now can see why he's on the red carpet. It's not just mm. because he or she is a beautiful Maine Coon cat. It's because, no, this cat really is a character and uh, is important to the plot. You, uh, you remove the cat and nobody dies. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I like that there's a lot more writing on on church uh, in in this version, uh, but yeah, I I liked how uh, I liked how it happened. I thought it delivered well. And hey, we have a a subtle message of don't text and drive semi trucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and maybe get rid of your flip phone too in 2019. Uh, yeah, I oh yes, like that, <laughs> that was a little bit a little bit rushed for me. Like this trucker's so out of touch. Yeah, all right, we get it. Yeah. Um, but the truck was the same. Orinko, that is the truck. Oh, is it the same from, company? From, yeah, it's the same company. Oh, yes, cool. and the truck was red and silver, so that that stayed. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe in the novel, it's an Orinko truck. But yeah, it's a it's a Orinko truck. In the I mean, once again, too. you're kind of hitting on the the highlights. At least for me, is that and I'm glad we saw this in such a similar way. It's it's like they did add these little twists and nods along the way. You're right. Church was a much bigger factor in this one. Uh, you know, they they switched it. They did give it away in the preview that it was the daughter that died in this one. But right. I, they had done for me anyway such a good job of ratcheting up the tension to that oh point that, yes like, i went in knowing that it was the daughter that was going to die mm -hmm. but in that moment i was like oh my god this is where gage dies he bites it and then gage was saved so i had that momentary oh they're playing one over on us and then immediately guys it's almost like killed. they listened to our 89 retrospective <laughs> and they and they listened to all our main gripes like there was a fence yeah. It, it was far away from the road. Jason Clark didn't just turn around to wave at his wife at a bad time. Correct. A make the father dizzy <laughs> yeah. game was probably a bad timing, but that was wasn't something anybody could help they really. didn't correct how awful the parents are of these children because <laughs> ellie was going everywhere in the beginning of this movie True. with zero parental super just walks into judd's house just walks into the pet cemetery at the beginning yeah I, the audacity on her to just walk into that house yeah. like, i was like squirming it's like how does she just go in there what if he's a pedophile what if well, he's a nightmare because ryan like ryan said like yeah. lithgow in this one wasn't playing as amicable as right. as Judd of '89 was, he was very like, I have a secret. Tea. You know, he was playing. He knew something that nobody else. He knew. has seen his dead reanimated. Was it wife mm -hmm. or dead reanimated? Uh, it was dog a dog sure. in this one, and then they the, didn't. Yeah. They didn't retcon it uh, like they did in the '89 original, where he actually reanimated a human, and it was he was lying all along. It was wasn't my dog. It was a human. <laughs> but uh, he definitely has seen the dead walk. And that, that would make a man drink Bud Heavy <laughs> midday and, uh, yeah, take it a little more serious tone, I guess. Smoke a pack a day, too. I don't know how many cigarettes he went through, but he went through a shit ton. Yes. Well, under the circumstances, I think that's a little forgivable. You know? either, either the dead rising or lung cancer is going to claim him. One of the two. And the restraint on Dr. Lewis for not just giving him hell for that. That was, that was interesting. What, did we, think about, what did we think about 2019's Pascal character compared to 89's? Scary. Okay. Go ahead. That, uh, he, he's scarier, but I feel that the the mm -hmm. old Pascal character was stronger. This really? one was scarier. I feel the old one was stronger because in this one, I... 
I almost felt like Pasco was teasing him to go to the barrier, mm -hmm. whereas in the original one, he is a bit more uh, forceful in terms of don't do this, don't do this, I'm trying to save you. Whereas I don't feel he was as strongly opposing yeah. uh, Dr. Creed uh, in this. He's scarier, uh, and I'll give him that. And uh, the and the guy that uh, played him, I, I mean, I feel terrible. I don't know the actor's Absolute, name, but yeah. I, 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 I like how he played him. I just feel that in terms of the writing, I think the character in the original one was written to be a little bit stronger. I think, but in terms of the accident and and I like all that worked, uh, you know, just as well in this one. It's just the mm -hmm. degree to which he's, you know, integral to the plot. They definitely whittled his character down from Certainly. that first movie. I mean, it's it's almost like they gave him like a third of the dialogue, and uh, you know, the the last Victor Pascal. I think like the highs and lows of that character were super high. Like there were he was funny. He's on the airplane. He's doing all that crazy stuff. <laughs> I hated that though. Like what? Like I'm glad. I'm kind of glad. And him being so exposed yeah. in the '89, it's like we talked about it. Like so, what rules does this guy play by in this undead life? I can go in the house, but at this pivotal point in the plot, I can't go in. He's further. the I told you so ghost. He's just like, <laughs> no, don't go in there. I know you're gonna go in there though. <laughs> It was it was fun. That you know the former characters played for more fun. This characters played for just strictly horror. Jacob Marley yes. horror. Yeah, I like that. I I thought the same thing. It has very much Jacob Marley written uh, written all over him. I think that's a, an excellent analogy. But they didn't turn a rock while he's walking up to the pet cemetery into Jacob Marley's doorknob in this movie. I was a little no. upset by that. <laughs> there were plenty of homages. I mean, I don't know if I... I guess I would call them highlights if we want to talk about best scenes. There were yeah. a lot of homages. I thought that they would skip over the dirty feet reveal, like how they had... I thought mm -hmm. that would be so difficult to, like... If you're going to have the screenplay and this script be so grounded in realism right. and try to play it so close to the vest so it's so reality-based. The that's feet what the were much is. less dirty, for the <laughs> record. <laughs> I'm just yeah. surprised they went for it. I was like, okay, I guess we're going to do this now. So we really are bordering on, like, yeah. you said surreal, Mike, before we started recording. Yeah, I thought the 89 was a, had a tone that was a bit more surreal, and this one was a bit more grounded in realism. But I think audiences nowadays... They demand that, don't don't you guys? Well, what do you think about that, right? Did you think? What do you think about the differences? Certainly, the differences you brought up in tone of the two movies. But was this one more grounded in realism? Do you think? Is do you think that's what attributed it to be it being maybe a little more scary? Yeah, we certainly have the supernatural element, but at the same time, there are so many other parts of the movie that I feel are grounded in reality. Yeah, there's a fence the, in this okay. movie, right? <laughs> There's yes. a fence. Yeah. <laughs> the parents built a fence. That road needs a fence in front of it. Very good. So yeah, they're uh, they're still not the, they're still not going to win Parent of the Year, but they are better parents uh, than in the original one. I think Tay Leone should have just stuck to the Starship Enterprise <laughs> and not have been killed by the uh, that the the the. The, the blobby the blob creature on that on the planet and then maybe maybe she should have just stuck to starfleet and not gone off to be a mom <laughs> but um but the uh, the the feet reveal was great and it was also there was just a a little bit of humor we don't have a lot of humor in this movie but the how he's like oh crap i gotta hide this from my wife i yeah. i, I like that moment because that's like that would really happen i mean if i woke up and i looked down at my feet and my feet were really dirty in my bed i'd be like wtf yeah. and, and then like, like somebody walking in like i feel my reactions would have been very similar to uh to hers 
uh, to hers and his in, in that in, in that scenario. And I and I believe that uh, he it's much more realistic that he did leave the house and he came back, even though we do have some of the there's a little bit of surrealness there in terms of like the doorway in the woods. Mm -hmm. But I think in the middle of the night when you're half asleep, that's probably how it feels. And so I think we sure. get a glimpse into uh, his mind. Certainly we're not in his mind to the degree we are you know, in, in Kubrick's uh, The Shining. We're not that far into right. his mind. But we do get glimpses of the, the inner workings uh, of his mind because you know everything that we watch in this movie is uh, some interpretation of loss, of grief, mm -hmm. you know, of the uncanny. And, and I love how the conflict in this movie directly derives from those uh, issues that inspire all of these hellish events for which the story is well known. You I could tell he's a teacher, right? Yeah, that was so true. professional sounding. <laughs> great job, right? That's a great job. But yes, uh, I definitely think uh, that shot with the just the door frame with the woods backdrop, mm -hmm. once we know we're getting into a dream, that was really signature stuff there. I, I, I love yes. that. I wonder if they actually constructed it, because you said that they were very reliant on practical effects, and it didn't. I was looking I, for green screen type of stuff when right. you had anything like that. I'm like, just not seeing it. Yeah. I'm seeing it. I mean, I mean, if you guys are listening and it's like, oh, oh dude, you're blind, there's CGI all over it, please, please tell me. But I'm, yeah. not, I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing an actual... Fray, door frame with two by fours and and, and, and like a doorknob and hinges right. and it's it's a, in the woods and and yes there are sometimes moments that were kind of sound stagey but I still liked it because I it just it, it just it had this realness to it that I think many horror films especially those that you know are on like a, a mid budget you know, we don't get that sense of realness. And I like how this felt real because the original one was, you know, on location and real. And, and I'm glad we didn't lose that. I'm glad I feel mm -hmm. that we're in the woods, that we're, you know, we're not in the mountains, but we're on the on these hills. Mm -hmm. And uh, like the trees, like I feel like I could reach out there and touch. Like these aren't fake. These are like the people that are um, the, the actors truly exist in the time and space uh, of every single scene mm -hmm. and because you can't replace the way real light bounces off of real right. objects exactly into the camera right. lens and, and I, we're getting real light bouncing off of real objects except for that tanker scene <laughs> and so we're and, and we're getting that and and i think it it had that not been the case i don't think we would be speaking as favorably about the movie as we currently are what was interesting about the setting is you get the flyover shot of the woods to start the movie and really kind of to bookend things, you know, heading into the late act, you know, into act three there too. You get the flyover shot one more time to take us back where we started from the, you know, the prologue. But bottom line is, I think the setting is very claustrophobic for the rest of the movie. Like when, when we were watching That's the 89 point. original, we're, we get a vast you know, Micmac burial ground route, right? Mm. right? I mean, that is a wide-ass shot. And in this movie, it's just like nothing but fog, and we can see like a, a small portion of it. It, it lets you play, you know, place tricks on your mind, and we don't really get the scope of it until he has to look at a map and do his research, literally, right, guys? I also, uh, yeah, yeah it, it does, it did seem more claustrophobic, and maybe because of that, it seemed like there was less of a differentiation in this one between, I know he had to go through the swamp 
and there was a bit of a travel, but it just seemed like the pet cemetery actually was closer to the incident area, True. right? Because like in the in the eighty nine for me, pets the, the actual pet cemetery <laughs> had nothing to do it with was the burial all, ground. It was almost a gag that oh, keep coming, yeah, I'm keep going to climb, going to climb some more. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I think that's interesting. We did have some laughs though. I, I think uh, the cat was responsible for a bunch of them, and just the name Yo, of the when cat. When they put church <laughs> in that in the middle of that sex scene that they were starting up, right. I, I giggled. I was like, that is so <laughs> a beautifully understated way to make you just hate this cat. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but even the Churchill joke, like we named the ch- church yes. after Churchill, and then you have yeah. literally John Lithgow, who just played Winston Churchill. Actually, I, I appreciated that. Yeah, I like that hard chuckle yes. for me. Uh, yeah, I, I like dad jokes. <laughs> right, right. If you had to pick one scene as like a standout scene, your best scene, even if it is like it doesn't necessarily have to be a technical marvel, like we're mm-hmm. talking about with the Lithgow fire scene, but like. What would you say is your absolute highlight from taking away a film since you were such a fan of the original as well? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I I really like the um, I don't I I think my my favorite scene uh, it, it is that one. It, it is the one where they're sitting around the fire. Oh, yeah. I think there are other scenes that that stand out to me. Um, so since we've already talked about that one, I will, in all fairness, pick a different scene. Uh, I like. When she is, we have the um, that mirror image of that ballet scene, and so we have oh, yeah. Ellie dancing in a very pretty dress to uh, the Nutcracker uh, at the you know, in the Act One, and then we answer that with you know, you know Ellie uh, dancing to the same music in that same dress. Mm. But it's her burial dress, and that scene was so creepy. They did just a great watching job of her. Her, her makeup was great. Uh, it, it even felt like like we're channeling a little like Linda Blair from Exorcist yeah. early on when you start when like when she first started the transition. And so we we have those we have those moments. And so I'm like that's very like kind of earlier in the Exorcisty, and I, I I like that. And then just the way she was dancing because she was still dancing beautifully, but then all of a sudden you know it takes a turn for the worst, and it be and the dance becomes very violent. And zombie just dancing. the way she looked, zombie dancing, the way she looked in that dress uh, stood out to me as like, I really like this moment. I, and I love, that's what I've referred to it too in the non-spoiler section, that scene with the aesthetic where they had the dress turned that pale color yeah. to match her skin tone, her being yes. undead now. I thought that was just a beautiful touch. Uh, for me, just to wrap up, I guess, best scenes here, I, I just need your guys' input on this since I am such a horror nerd. That, I was so worried about them doing justice to the Judd kill scene, yeah. the Achilles yes. tear. And even then, they did the misdirection by having the one shot under the bed, closing in Agreed. on Lithgow's Achilles, and then he kicks the bed over, so you think, are they not going to do it? The kick of the bed was my favorite moment. Oh, was it? I just loved it, because we knew that you know he was going to come out from underneath. Right. Slash, or I'm thinking of Gage still. She was going to come out and slash his foot, but then, boom, he kicks oh, the bed. I loved it. And then they still go through with it, just in a 2019 yep. updated version of him on the stairs while she's wearing the mask that time, and then a yeah, even playing that out, we get the reveal that she turns into Norma for a second, his dead wife, and plays mm-hmm. games with her with him there. I really thought that whole sequence, if we're picking favorites, that was mine. Oh, and I, I the a uh, couple of notes there. 
the I, I I swear up and down that that is that is a practical foot. That is that is a prosthetic because it just looked so. I, I agree with fucking you totally. Absolutely. real and the mm. way it the way it broke away and it was and I, I I like how we went a little bit further than just a slash. We like we have a stab and a and like we're we're pulling yeah, she out got some aggression fall, in there. Falls down the stairs and uh, we don't get the chewing of of the neck, but we do get a lot of other a lot of other violence there. And I like how his wife is Norma because that made me think of you know I mean Norma from Psycho, and so uh, I, I like the I like that connection uh, dealing again with Return of the Repressed, and so uh, her name her name is Norma, and so I I'm instantly thinking oh. Is that a nod to Psycho? Because I, uh, I mean, if so, I really liked it. Uh, I'm I mean, sure maybe it, it was maybe it was just a name, yeah. but I, I liked it. But yeah, his kill, uh, we drew it out a little bit more, and he gave a little bit more of a fight, and he almost, almost you know, was able to grab that gun, but just he you know met with the uh, scalpel, and I like how we still use the scalpel. Yes, and, a very um, nice touch and keeping yeah. it because he otherwise you, Jason Clark had one scene where he was a doctor in this movie. <laughs> you know, like you yes. didn't know he was a doctor in the medical profession at all outside of that scalpel in the end. Uh, Mike, what, what was was that your best scene? I think my best anything about this movie is that they used all of the big scares and the big moments from the first movie as setups. For, uh, yes, for this movie, very clever. right from the the big scene that we started this whole spoiler section on uh, to the big Jug Crandall scene. Obviously, uh, I thought I thought that there's a lot of little moments that I can't remember because we're fresh off the movie. But now, but yeah, that really worked for me. So uh, yeah, we're gonna do some worse now. Uh, yeah, let's talk about some low lights. I've actually the biggest problems I had where I've kind of hit on no theme song, no or quotes, a theme song, I guess mm-hmm. no score, no noticeable score to amp up. You did such a great job of making things so tense filled and so serious, so high tension. And then to not have a score kind of bewilders me. Um, and also these are two terrible parents, just bad, awful parents yes. with their young daughters. So that's <laughs> where the biggest problems I had. Ryan, what about your biggest faults with this movie? We get too much of of undead Ellie, and like yeah. we're just seeing her too much uh, right there. I mean, because everything else is really strong in the movie, and ultimately the movie does does finish strong. But I think we get a little. We are just seeing too much of her, and, and I think we could have cut out uh cut out a little uh, a little bit of the uh just uh the the almost the fight sequences right. and i think we could have uh, eased back on that because it did get just a little campy with her uh as much as we saw her i think less would have been a little bit more i like how she's a better antagonist than gage was in the first one but i think we just saw she just she did too much we kind of like eased back on the uh her screen time, I guess, is just the easy way of putting it. Sure. Just kind of ease back, uh, ease back on that. So I think that kind of does drag it down a little bit in the um, in the third act. I like that she drags mom to the pet cemetery and that she you know slams you know the what was a whatever it was over over dad's head and drags mom. Uh, yeah, she's able, but she's of, able to yeah. drag mom all the way up and over into the pet cemetery over that big pile of sticks, but she couldn't break through the barrier, the chair that was in front of the door to get to her while she was while Rachel was passing Gage to Lewis the scene before. 
Well, maybe maybe spirits were helping her. <laughs> she's down there at the pet cemetery, so she uh, she's got the the the, the spirits are uh, helping her there. Maybe you know what? She might have put one of those creepy crawly things underneath mom, like the auto mechanics use to go underneath your car. So she, <laughs> she put one of those things underneath mom. There. Yes, I like that. She has a lower body strength, not upper body strength. <laughs> yes. Like the legs, she can really drive. She can leg press. She she's can back. Well, she's a ballet she, dancer, she's so she has strong six, legs. But her quads are like three feet. <laughs> <laughs> now I would totally agree with you guys that graveyard fight was cool for a minute and then it got hokey the next minute and mm -hmm. I think the same thing like the dad lays down next to her on the bed and there was a line there where she's like I'm dead and I, I had that in my nightmares right and I had a little shudder and then she kept talking <laughs> and I'm like I shouldn't yeah. be listening to a zombie talk to a father for too long it, it, just give me a little give me a taste of it and it can work but too much but her eye was crooked that eye yeah. Did you just see how it just kind of droopy on the one side? I'm like, I'm like, dude, look at your daughter. There's, she, there's some. This is not right. This is not your daughter. You are the worst doctor <laughs> in the world. Not only is he the worst doctor in the world, but he's also the worst at like playing hide and seek or finding his kid. That whole <laughs> he's a bad parent. He's a bad parent. <laughs> the mom can't find, but the whole second act, guys. He is literally just chasing it. And he's not from the last movie where he gets up at a, uh, you know from an alarm clock and just jumps off the bed and hits himself <laughs> on the corner of the bed. But he is literally chasing it, that whole third act. That was kind of goofy, but then again, Jason Clark's playing it a little grounded. What would you guys think of Jason Clark there? You know, I, I said it. I, I really appreciated his performance, and I think he at times did go overboard. He, and I don't know that any of the faults I would give him I would necessarily attribute to him more than I would the situation the script put him yeah, in. Yeah, but the way that yeah, the way they wrote it, like he was really just right. That's the yeah. yeah. And I guess it has to be from the last movie, but it did it. You know, just like if he was any better at you know a ch children's game right <laughs> from the beginning, he would have seen his daughter go. But he's getting spun, and he's it's terrible. also a child's birthday party, and they were the only parents there. <laughs> Yeah, right. A weird. Uh, no, they had a few other. There was a few other parents oh, there right, from well, the. Cause they they brought up their their friends from Boston. That's right. And yeah, so you're they, right. Uh, you're right. You're right. So they. Uh, drove, I mean, that is a long ass way to go for birthday. I mean, that is. You're asking all these people to drive hours to go to a little kid's birthday party, <laughs> and you're not going to even put them up at your house. Well, maybe I guess I guess the death did kind of get in the way. True. So maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe they had they, different plans before that truck. <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> I like how um, Jason Clark's dad is, he he eventually realizes what he did was wrong. And he, and it took him a while to get there because I mean, he drugs poor, uh, poor Judd. And because he knows why Judd is sitting yeah. out on his, you know, front porch. And so he's got to, he's got to take him out. And so I, I like that, that twist in there. So we're, so all, we're going through most of the movie and he doesn't think anything he's done is wrong even after the cat comes back but then you know right before you know he gets hit over the head uh there in the bedroom or bathroom uh, it, it it's noticeable that he realizes oh shit i i've started this this is wrong mm -hmm. this can't go on and of course that's why he gets taken out because he was going to stop you know he was going to stop the process but it must go on because we have to set up our sequel. Uh, but i like how he realizes it's like you know he it, it finally hit him I mean, it took him 
uh, a long time and uh, a, lot, a lot of uh, you know a lot of evil is now being unleashed in that small uh, town in Maine but he eventually realized what he did was uh, not smart. He was definitely wise to it a little earlier. I mean, he went to kill the cat, uh, I think, in the middle of that, or towards you know the end the of that. You was, though? True. He didn't say, it's Thanksgiving Day. I know, that, that was the great the line. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, like, they, they did try to force a few extra lines from the original movie, like, and I, it really bothered me, like, I think uh, Judd and uh, Lewis were having a decent conversation. It was actually a colloquial conversation and then he's like and the soils of men's hearts and i was like what <laughs> yeah. don't tap that on we don't need that extra i know it's in the novel whatever but there was some bad dialogue throughout this i mm-hmm. i absolutely agree whether it was them trying to shoehorn in more homages to the first one and or it was just you know uh being overly reliant on explaining mm-hmm. what was going on she's dead oh Okay, yeah, we we could see that. She's absolutely a zombie. You know, like, <laughs> we could put that together on our own. So I, I agree wholeheartedly there was some poor dialogue. It's not a perfect movie, no, right? No. I mean, it's a fun horror movie, certainly from where I stand, but it's not, by no means, is this... I don't even put this on the level of the It remake from 2017. You no, know, I think quite. that was a superior no. movie. Oh, yeah, it, it, the dialogue much stronger. The characters are much more developed. Uh, but it, in this movie's defense, you know, it is much longer. So we do have more time to develop the characters. I don't think adding more time to this, I'm not saying adding more time to Pet Symmetry would have fixed that. But, you know, in it, we do have uh, the story stretched out a little bit more. And so, uh, so I, I, I think this, could it have been on par with it? Uh, I don't think so because the story's not quite as... Um, it's not quite as deep as the story in it. Uh, so I, I think it did, uh, I think the dialogue could have been punched up mm-hmm. and that certainly would have improved a lot because otherwise everything works really well. So I think had we punched up the dialogue and, uh, and made it, um, kind of eased back on, cause we have a lot of talking. This is, uh, yes. you know, it, it's a horror movie that is mostly dialogue driven and, uh, you know, we could have uh, eased back on that kind of like, you know, we, we mentioned about the graveyard fight. Um, so, um, but I mean, it still, uh, you know, I mean, it, it still, it still did its job. I mean, I, I felt like I was, uh, like a, a wind up toy and like, you can't, you, you put the key in my back and you kept twisting it and you just couldn't twist it anymore. And so the tension was definitely there and, and it really helps. And I'm glad it was cause we couldn't have had, you know, uh, lackluster dialogue and, you know, lack of tension. So at least we get, you know, tension and it's just violent enough. We're not, you know, glorifying the violence. You know, we're, uh, mm-hmm. you know, st- staying true to to the, the very soul of uh, of the story. And, uh, but the dialogue uh, could have used a little help. Yeah, that state of Maine and that cinematic universe, though, we need to send the National Guard. There's too much shit going on there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Professor Terry, we know you got class in the morning, so uh, we got, we got to get you out of you here. You have now. class in the morning? <laughs> well, to actually, in the, in the it's Friday, so I I'm not teaching, but I will be uh, working on some Disney on Ice commercials. Oh, and so right. I'll be at, so, you, <laughs> so I'll be. You at, still have to be at, in at eight a.m. <laughs> um, I will be there at. Well, I wake up at six fifteen so I can work out. And then I um, then I, I go go to the I'm at work at nine, this but I like to work out. A man like to work out before that's I go. trying to make me feel bad about <laughs> myself. <laughs> so yeah, Ryan, what, what's your final grade here, or however you want to put a, a finality on this thing? 
Um, I uh, went into it earlier today thinking it was going to be an 8 out of 10. It's unfortunately not an 8 out of 10, you know, after having watched it. Mm -hmm. However, I'm very comfortable giving it a 7. And so it was, it was, it was fun. I, mm -hmm. I had a great time. The, uh, the energy of the room was fantastic. I, I like the creative latitude uh, that we uh, had here with the story. And it, and it delivered me some new scares that I didn't see coming. And uh, I, I could rewatch it. It's not one I'm going to rush out and rewatch anytime soon, but I could rewatch it. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm very uh, comfortable giving it a seven. Yeah, I think I'm right around like an 84 out of 100 for me. It's like a B. It's a solid B movie. You for should me. be because I'm like an 81 B minus. So that usually trends with curve. us. Yeah, we always have a three point curve somehow. I don't know how that is. We did not talk about <laughs> no, it. I we swear didn't. to yeah. freaking God. I was like 81, 82. But if you're going to go 84, I'll go 81. I swear to whatever monster was in those woods that we did not talk about that. So, yeah, I'm an 84. Uh, and uh, I think it's a, a fits with my B's during my weird uh, system there. And yeah, you're a B minus, huh? Yeah, I'm a hard B minus. I'm I'm a little over an eighty. I you know I don't think it rises to the level of like something very rewatchable, right? I think if you, I said this on the way home tonight, too, I think I saw it once. I'm probably good at least for a couple years with it. I don't feel the need to like rush back out and try to like reinterpret something. I mm -hmm. think we've you know, especially having Ryan here and the three of us all kind of see it similarly. I think that means we got a good grasp on it after the right. first view. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a B-minus. Uh, enjoyable. A fine, run-of-the-mill, 100-minute horror movie that you could take in on a Friday or Saturday night and get the bejesus creeped out of you and, you know, have a fun date night. But other than that... Oh, it's a it's a great date movie. Yeah. I think you make an excellent point there. This is, when you think... When we think of horror movies as date movies kind of in general, but this is a great example of a just a solid date horror movie. Yeah. So, yes. I just completely agree. And I think that, you know, I don't think it wanted to, I don't think it had aspirations of being more than that. So, right. with that in mind, I think it absolutely did its job. So, do you think it makes money, guys, at the end of the day? And do you think we will get a Pet Cemetery 2 or a Pet Cemetery prequel? Uh, after this whole run, uh, we're definitely going to get a Pet Cemetery too because it the movie set itself up for one there at the end. Mm. Uh, we just don't know what happens to Gage. We just kind of assume he gets uh, assimilated with the rest of his family. So I think we're setting ourselves up for uh, Pet Cemetery too. And uh, that being the case, I need to go back and rewatch the Pet Cemetery two that we have right now. Yeah, uh, and just to um, you know, just uh, just for funsies. Have uh, you I think, seen that you know, one any, yeah. at any point recently? Oh, not recently. That that's one that I think I watched uh, when I was an undergrad. So it has been um, it has been you know quite a number of years. What if Pet Cemetery two in this case, guys, is just like zombie family and, and it's like a comedy and they all just they just like just eat goes... dinner and they're having a conversation <laughs> over dinner and the camera pans down it's a human foot they're Did cutting dinner parties at the creed's house now. <laughs> I mean... what they could go out to santa clarita and they would fit there you right go. In. yeah that's yeah. true have a nice little time <laughs> Want to th thank Ryan for being with us. That's R L Terry, Ryan L Terry, R L Terry Real R E E L there for the real. Be sure to follow him as well at R L Terry one on Twitter and R L underscore Terry on Instagram. Ryan, this was a lot of fun. Really, thank you for giving us your time tonight. Thank you. you. Added a lot of professional insight. Make us sound like we somewhat know what we're talking about for a change oh no i love listening to you guys uh you're uh, uh one of the first pods i started listening to and i've uh loved uh, all the shows that's uh highly entertaining always engaging and 
uh, you know, brings a smile to my face, and I, I love knowing on my Monday morning commute, I have uh, MMO Weekly, and uh, I was uh, just really excited uh, when you contacted me and, uh, and uh, wanted me to, uh, to come on here and talk to you about the movie, because uh, you guys are uh, like my friends, and even though we've never met before. Uh, but I, uh, but I, I we'll fix that someday. But I, I, I love it, and uh, I appreciative of of this opportunity. And and I know I say the same things on all the pods I'm on, but I, I really am sincerely thankful for uh, for all the opportunities that I've had to to share what I love uh, about cinema. And I'm thankful for the opportunities that I have in the future uh, because I feel this is a great way to uh, to build community and build relationships and and learn from one another and uh, appreciate you know uh, everything that we're contributing to the conversation and I, I never would have thought I would have had the platform that I do now and so just uh, every moment I'm just incredibly you know uh, thankful for the gracious hosts that I've been able to uh, um, to talk to and make appearances on the shows and and hope to continue doing it in, in the future so we can uh, all have fun and talk about uh, what we love, mm. you know, the movies. Well, yeah, such kind words. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, and, thank uh, you very much. That's very, that's very Really appreciate it, and uh, we'll let you go here. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks for coming in, Ryan. We really appreciate it. We'll do it again soon. Thank you, guys. I'll listen to the show tomorrow. Yeah, once again, we thank Ryan. Uh, guys and girls out there in Internet land, we want to hear from you as well. As always, uh, your comments, questions, concerns, any thoughts that we didn't touch on, anything we may have missed. Uh, did you see a bunch of those Stephen King Easter eggs? Point them out to us. You could reach us at our social medias, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere. You hear podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, etc., etc. Uh, Michael, First guest host experience, first decent remake of Pet Cemetery we've seen <laughs> experience. Uh, let's have some words of wisdom to end on. Yeah, I mean, number one, go to rlterryrealview.com and, and read his stuff. I mean, throughout the month of October, he's always got horror movies reviewed there. Uh, he goes to movies early like a, like a real critic and gets, them, gets those reviews out. And uh, be sure to follow him on Twitter and Instagram, like we said. But this was cool because, you know, he... We're very insecure in the podcasting business. <laughs> just Mike and I are very insecure in general. And he said something that I almost like swooned on, where he was like, even when we disagree, I like listening to you guys. And I know that I like listening to movie critics, like the guys at Collider, the shows. Sure. Even when I disagree with the take they have, I keep going back and listening to them again and again. And, and again. I physically harm radios when i disagree so i have some anger management issues you to hold work grudges <laughs> but we i think we all do it like there's some critics out there that yeah no you make you definitely make like, a good point if we if they hated a movie that i loved i might uh, they might be dead to me yeah sure so that, that that was really cool to hear and that i guess that's kind of wisdom and go read ryan's reviews yeah well. that's that's rlterryrealview.com you can check him out at those social medias that we said earlier rlterry1 rl underscore terry on instagram guys when reality sucks it didn't for pet cemetery anymore at least that was good yeah fun fun remake fun re fun watch and remake not rewatch mm -hmm. we buried that cat uh you can come up watch movies with us uh, we appreciate your time and we will check you out next time see ya I don't